Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hello, my name is Rob McLeod. I am the CEO of Black Wolf Copper and Gold. I'm an exploration geologist from the mining town of Stewart, BC in the Southern Golden Triangle, and uh, uh, which is right on the border with Hyder, Alaska. And just uh, across the peninsula from our flagship Niblack project, which is a copper, gold, silver, zinc, volcanogenic massive sulfide deposit. It's well advanced. It's got a substantial high-grade bulk mineable underground resource. Uh, full-size production ramp, and uh, I'm really happy to come on the show today to talk about two rounds of drilling that uh, we we have done since the last time I've been on Crux uh, in two different areas of the property. Additionally, we have recently staked uh, what I uh, feel are highly prospective gold-silver properties in the Golden Triangle, but across the border in Alaska that has had no modern exploration where we are tracking down uh, the, the source to some very high grade gold and silver. So uh, please check out our website at blackwolfcopperandgold.com. You can follow me on Twitter as well too at goldfinder12. Hello, Rob, how are you? Good, Matt, how are, how are you? It's good to see you again, it's been yeah, a few months. It has, I'm seeing you since March. You've done the name change. You are now a black wolf. How's that gone down? Uh, well, it's, you know, we, we, there's a saying in the business, what better way to bury the bodies than a good name change? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's actually, you know, when, when uh, my, my previous company was, was IDM Mining and a lot of our same management team came, uh, came over for us to start a, start a new company. And uh, Black Wolf was actually, it was about our 10th name choice. You know, there's been a lot of juniors, as you know, out there, of every single name imaginable, but Black Wolf, Copper and Gold had never been taken. And, and as actually inspired the name was by, inspired by, um, there are two um, kind of packs of wolves in, in around the Golden Triangle area, one are traditional gray wolves. And there are some others apparently that have like um, domesticated dog mixed in that are black. And when I was a kid, I was really, I was scared of wolves. That was my big paranoia. And uh, uh, I'm embracing that old fear, and uh, I think it's just a wonderful name. Beautiful, so, beautiful. Okay, it, we change the name, raise some money, and put out some drill results. Hopefully, that's the hardest thing that you're going to have to do: picking a name. Um, <laughs> we should talk about mining because you. In fact, I'm going to point people to the link below for the last conversation we had, where we kind of jumped into um, business plan, strategy, team, money, backgrounds of, of everyone. Um, real good conversation there, I thought. Um, let's talk about some of the things that you have been doing since March. You've raised some money. Was that easy? 5.4 million bucks, was that easy? So it's, um, you know what? It can always be easier if you're tacking on warrants, but you know, you take everything that you, you've learned when you, when you start a new company, is what what did I screw up in the past? And and you know, as, as CEO, I'd I'd finance with too much warrant, too many warrant deals. And you know, I'm an investor, I buy stock in other juniors, I'll clip warrants, even of companies that I, I love. And maintaining that good share structure is really important to to our team. 
So uh, we raised 5.4 million. We have really supportive shareholders, really in, in, interested new, particular, particularly European institutions that have come in that, are, that appreciate structure. It would have been, hey, if we had tacked on a warrant, we could have raised 20 million. So uh, there, there's a lot of interest in, in, and maybe I'm exaggerating on that amount, but there's a lot of interest, as you know, in, in copper stories. So black polymetallic copper gold silver zinc so you can whatever is hot at the time you can brand it that way but uh, uh, it wasn't uh, it, it was it was pretty easy to raise that money to, to keep on drilling especially on and actually we we announced and closed the financing prior to releasing uh, uh, drill results and uh, so, and we did it at the same price as the previous time. Yeah, nice. I, 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 I noticed that. We'll talk about the Andrew results in, in a second because they're good. Um, so, with the type of investor that you got in this round, because you, you did you raised you know five point three, I think last time uh, last year. But what type of investor did you bring in here? Were you bringing in European family offices? Were you bringing in more institutional? What, what was the blend? Uh, so. Um, uh, I think uh, we, we didn't have a, a huge long list of places. It was about 30, a little over 30. And most of them were institutions and just kind of in that sort of boutique. Inst- there's a couple of, and it's really encouraging as a CEO to see, there's a couple of new funds that have started up in Europe. There have been some existing shareholders such as Bellbrook Capital here in Vancouver that have been a long time backers of mine. Uh, at least maintained or or increased their uh, their position, and then uh, and you know it's really interesting. I'm fairly active on mining Twitter. Is a lot of investors actually came in through that had followed me and you know looked at all the photos of my visual dogs that I post and 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 other commentary that actually built up that relationship that way that 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 came in and. You know, I've got a, a, um, a good friend who's our, our lead broker with Haywood Securities, brought in a bunch of, uh, of his clients that, that really fought, follow him, guy named Graham Work. And uh, so it's a really good list of, of places that, uh, that, are, that are long um, uh, Blackwell. Yeah, I mean, you, you've had a good run of it since we spoke. We spoke to you, what, middle of March, 85 cents, you're up to 126. I think you, you did this uh, placing at 80 cents. So... Yeah, it's been it's been a good reaction by the marketplace, and I think has been helped by some of these draws. So when, when you kind of run us through some of the numbers that we should be uh, looking at, sure. And you know, man, I tell you, um, uh, you know, the great thing about uh, VMS massive sulfide systems is that you tip if it's base metal rich, you typically know if it's going to run or not. And actually, our most recent round or our first round of results. We had really good assays, but by far the most important results from that drilling program is that it validated our geological model for the whole Niblack system. See, these VMS systems are strata bound one type of, in this case, it's felsic volcanic rocks that host all the mineralization. And Niblack's an older deposit. It's uh, a neoproterozoic age. It's, uh, so it's gone through some 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 deformation. There's two big folding events. So really, what what happened on the on the deposit? It's it's like how you'd fold a beach towel. Is it was folded once and then it's been folded again. And so what the big breakthrough was 
was, and it was actually a master's stu student that did really precise uranium lead edge dates, found that the whole sequence was overturned. So we, uh, that changes if you flip that refolded fold over on its head, it really changes how you approach your exploration. So we validated that geological model. We hit two limbs in an area of where we drilled it. It was actually a sin form rather than previously interpreted as an antiform. And that first batch of result is really high grade. You know, it's like four to 8% sort of copper values with, uh, with, with uh, uh, associated gold, silver, and, and zinc. And, uh, and in an area that's a kilometer away from our current resources. So this is a whole new area. And actually there's probably enough drilling there when we update our resources, it can go in. So uh, that was really well received. We spiked up to a buck, buck 58. What, what are the negatives to having a tight share structure is often you don't really quite have the liquidity or you get pretty volatile to have, you know, some new, new funds and stuff come in. So, you know, it, we've, been, we've been consolidating here kind of in the buck 20, buck 30 range for, for a while. And then we've just released our second batch of drill results from our main deposit, the lookout zone, where, and, and there the, re the real breakthrough, and I believe it's related to some of this folding again, is, you know, and it started with our first hole. It was the first time our, this management team has looked at these rocks. So we said, okay, let's do a fairly safe hole uh, in this area where, where, where we can, you know, we can add some more and get a good stand, uh, understanding of the geology. We sort of expected a one to five meter wide intercept. And in two, and then we added a second hole right away. We hit two that were in around the 30 meter range of in and around, you know, 3% uh, copper equivalents. So um, you build up tons really quickly. And, and the lookout zone's a really wide deposit. Uh, there's kind of this big, you know, and these are typical for these VMS systems. You get these big troughs of mineralization. And the guts of it, you know, in, in the current resource is up to 120 meters wide. So, you know, it can stand bulk mining and, and you know, these grades for the type of mining that would be envisioned for this deposit are, are, are very good. And especially with really good recoveries. So, so we're, we're really pleased with how the, the, the project is, is progressing. And we've also announced, you know, it's our ambition to, to take this, this, this project to, uh, uh, to, the, to the finish line, which in our you know, world is, is getting a, a bankable feasibility study done, and then you make the decision if you're building or selling or whatever, is uh, we have decided to upgrade our, our site infrastructure and, and put in a larger camp that will be able to support um, you know, a, a, a lot more work in the drilling and engineering and stuff that would be required to advance the project. So, so it's been really busy on that, on that project side getting set up for success. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting um, one yours because you've kind of come in and had to tidy it up and you know, name change just to kind of remove some of the legacy issues that may have been associated with it. But you, 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 you've tidied it up really tight share structure after the rollback. You've got some of the nice names in there and historic data and all of that. It's all good stuff, but I'm not quite sure when we're meant to be looking. That's the problem here. Because Niblack, you've talked about bulk underground tailings. Uh, you're doing all this uh, drilling. I, I don't know to what end. So what, what, I'm, what, I'm, what should I be focused on? Because when you talk the language of BFS with a 28 million market cap, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. You're, you're, you're bang on. It's, you, but that's what the vision has to be. You have to, what is the exit going to be? Is it good? Are we just going to keep on drilling holes and hope for the best? If you're an explorer, a pure grassroots explorer, absolutely that's what you're doing. 
In our case, where this is advanced and, and, and we do have a market cap of that size, what's going to move us? Retail. So we're going to keep on drilling and exploring. But in the background, this is what our vision is. Now, the thing about Niblack is located right on the oceans, great location, but there is no spot there for a mill or tailings facility. You have to barge the ore somewhere. And so this is something we've been actively working on for actually almost a year is, uh, is a site where we can transport the ore. And what our bigger vision is, is to, is we're looking at other opportunities where you can combine the ore from Niblack into a hub and spoke type arrangement. So that's the, that, that's the ultimate vision. When does that, that becomes a big institutional story a couple of years down the road. Right now we're in the story where, you know, I believe there's potential for, for much larger deposit at Niblack. So that's what we're showing the world through, through uh, you know, accretive drilling that's going to add tons. And, uh, and then once we start to get into a bit more of a, uh, a time where we can talk about our, uh, the economics and the, and the project without our arms waving wildly, is that's when we'll talk about it. For, for, but for the meantime, we're going we're gonna to keep drilling. And, and it's also and keep keep a pipeline going. We take these new claims as well too. Which well, I'll, I'll talk about those. I got I got them on the list. Don't worry, they're coming up. I want, <laughs> but I that, I think it's important that for for you guys because it's tough as a small junior. You've got to wave your hands. You've got to try and get noticed, and you've got to put the best foot forward, your best story forward, and you know you you've got to try and control that narrative. I get it because there's a lot of competition, but at the same time, you've also got to help people understand. What, what is the focus of this thing? If you're saying we're going to keep drilling, that makes a lot of sense. Hub and spoke, that's all you know down the line. The, the big scoping, they're all down the line. So the drilling has, um, you know, you've, you've, you've presented some great numbers out there. So you've got how much cash in the bank? Uh, right now we're at about, uh, we're probably just under the 3 million mark. Right, okay. So what's, I guess there's some more assays coming through. And you've got some more spend, which is going to go into drilling. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and as well as too, and that's what we we put it in in the release into the camp upgrades. We're not buying a camp. We're uh, we're, uh, we're 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 releasing one from an indigenous-owned company. Yeah, we're buying some new fuel tanks and stuff like that. So there is some of that capital, but then otherwise, it's it's more going into the ground, drilling and and sampling and geophysics. Right. So, if retail's a solution, why have you got? Why did you bring in so much more institutional um, in the last round? Uh, uh, because they're long, right? And it's uh, re retail buys uh, in the market and sells in the market, and and picking up longer institutions that buy into the, the overall vision. That you know, it's like when you have a tight structure, liquidity. It's they want to be able to. You yeah. know, a lot of the institutional investors have to be able to get out. And so we haven't attracted those types. Once we get a bigger market cap and, and the liquidity picks up later, they'll, they'll come in. It's a funny, thing, in, it's a funny in, thing you've got to manage here because you, you've got to be at a price that is, uh, institutions would like. Um, they've got to be able to buy enough, right? And if they're long, the liquidity is not such an issue for them right now. It is for you, though. So it, what's, what's your solution? Are you going to be doing more raises but then going just to retail? Is that... It's where, you know, you, you, um, you look at each round as, as stepping stones and the types of investors that are coming up in those rounds, they will be replaced by others. You are going to see them sell down the road. If a retail is double, 
And, you know, our, our, our two most recent PPs were at 80 cents, you know, you're at a buck 60. I know I sometimes sell half, but then you're larger. So you have large market cap. So you can introduce, you can bring in some of the small institutions that we brought in. The next round, if we're bringing in like the Arbens and the Vanex or, you know, the, the larger ones that have certain liquidity mandates, that's when, you know, you're replacing those retail and those other investors. So each one we're looking at, we want to do each consecutive raise at a higher price. One thing like, you know, and, and this is I'm not, not saying anything that's that's not out there, but what what would a CEO like me look at for a next round? You know, what can be good at these levels is you look at strategics where maybe it's a corporate that wants to come in. Mm. You know, there's quite a few and they and it's interesting to see how they rotate where there's there's corporates out there right now that are writing lots of checks. Including, there's like one that they're writing checks, but companies aren't allowed to say who's buying them. So you maybe one of having what, you know, a, a, a mid-tier or major producer coming in is could be could be a good investor. Or you look at like, you know, the, the, the large, and a lot of them are pretty well-known names, retail investors, Eric Sprott's being the best known name that can come in into deals. You look at one of those as, uh, as, uh, as the next round, or, or do you do another mix where it's just, you know, you do, you talk to a bunch of brokers and they get in a bunch of their retail clients, you know, you know, we, we think we're, we're, we're still significantly undervalued given this, the size of the asset and what's coming down the pipe. So we'll, we'll uh, but we, we know that there, there should be, and certainly other investors will see that as well too. So, so the, the, the short answer is I don't have one for who the next round's going to come in, but there, there's but certainly demand. You're going to need to, Rob, because you're going to need a plan. Because if you're saying on one hand, retail's the solution, and then you're dishing your shares out to institutional, there's, there's a disconnect there. And also- It's always a balance. It's not, it's not binary, Matt. You know, you, and, and in fact, a lot of the institutions, they trade like retail. Like, you know, some of these funds, they're $5 million funds. You know, I've, we all know lots of retail investors that trade way more, that will write $5 million checks into deals. So they're the types where now you want to have them in because they'll stay long. You know, they might sell some at, at, uh, at, at the end of the quarter, but they'll also support you and they'll bring, they'll bring in, in more buys. So we're right in that, that sort of level. But to be able to get the, up that, next, that next stage, that's where we do. I am, of course, talking to corporate. I'm talking institute. We'll do an accretive raise if somebody says, "Hey, we'll do a deal with you." Particularly, and you know that that this might sound crazy, but a lot of these corporates will come in and free. So part of our vision is also includes there is a big ESG component to it, which is you know certainly if you're probably seeing in Europe is becoming more and more the the, one of the, the, the first things that institutional investors will look at, you know, we, we have that as part of our overall vision. That retail, re, you know, and not to, not to, um, uh, uh, to, to insult any retail investors out there, but ESG is typically not the first thing they look at, you know. It's, it's not. It's, it's not. And, and maybe that's one for another day, because I think that's a very, very, very big topic, which we're spending a bit of time on, um, you know, with our club members. But I just want to stay with, with this share thing. Well, marketing, I guess, 
right? That's you cover. You've got five analysts covering you at the moment, you know, and I, I don't know what effect that has. And for a thirty million dollar company, that's not too bad going, quite frankly. But is is that working for you? Are, are what they're saying working for you? Are they people listening to them? So you know, you know what? Um, uh, it's two things that are moving, like. That moving stocks these days. Of course, there's drill results. Drill results certainly moved uh, us, particularly with the that first batch. Mm. The other part is marketing does work. Like we have, you know, you can you can retain groups that will promote you. Mm. And it's always it can be a difficult decision for what and and you know I'm speaking frankly of what CEOs have to do. Do you want to do a four hundred thousand dollar mail up? No. Is that a good use of proceeds from investors? No. It's interesting that a lot of retail investors want to see that done because it will bring in the volume that can increase your share price by 30%. It's short-termism. So it, 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 it's it short-termism. It, it that's the problem. That, you're, you're bang on. And particularly for a lot of the speculative plays or speculative commodities. Hmm. So what, what has worked well for me and what is the basis of our following it's you know getting onto shows like yours or like Kai's and and uh, uh, Trevor Hall and and you know telling your story and working the phone and having good honest uh, transparent disclosure and that's where those are the type of investors that that will stick with you more than the hot money. So and the the other thing that is or if you have really good results coming and you put good results out, sometimes that's a, t- a good time to do some of that marketing work. The, the exposure, again, as long as it's completely ethical. You're, you are going to see some tri- some cracking down on it, which is actually a really good thing from um, from the exchange and particularly the securities commissions uh, on on some of the higher guns that are... That are good. That are- I, two, th- two things. Both names you mentioned there, good people. Trevor, Trevor Hall and, 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 and Kai Hoffman, good people. There's some other dubious ones, but I, I I like your honesty with regards to you know with regards to that example. Do you go and spend four hundred thousand bucks on a campaign which is going to get you a, a hike in the price for three months, then it's going to come back to down to where it started? I've seen that all too often, and that's great for shareholders who perhaps want to like flip out of you, but. That's all on the promote, got nothing to do with your fundamentals, and I'm more interested in your fundamentals. So let, let, let's 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 kind of move away from the the marketing, the promoting, the difficulties of being a CEO. I don't feel sorry for you, by the way. That's why you guys get paid money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 look at Niblack, okay? Because there's there's a few yep. there's a few moving um, parts to that. You, you've talked about obviously you've got a bunch of historic data, and you you, you understand a lot more about it than if you're coming out in a you know, in a greenfield situation. So, how do you? How are you imagining moving that forward? You got three million bucks today. You're telling me in cash, right? Yeah. You can only do so much with that. That's that's the reality. So, what's the best way of moving that forward to 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 allow you to go to market and raise capital in in a few short months? So it, it's you know to 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 continue with 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 uh, results will move you. But it's also, I, uh, um, and th- maybe this contradicts a little bit with what I, what I said on the marketing side, it's getting the story up because we're really, really cheap. And, and the, like, you know, the new claims we state, or you said specifically about Nibla, 
you know, this is a project that once there was exploration success and they went underground, is that the rest of the property somewhat got forgotten. And that's okay. You can focus on one zone and keep on growing the zone. But now that we have the new geology figured out, the next thing that we're going to do is work up some of these other targets. There's a hole that's sitting out by itself that sat out there since 1994 at a zone called the Damazo. 19 meters of 6% copper. True width is probably half that. That's really, really good grade. Where is it going? I have no clue. We need some more information. So what's one of the best ways to do it? IP geophysics. So we're getting that done. Again, this whole interpretation, and if it's a nice tabular system, the whole thing being overturned doesn't matter. But now, since the whole thing is overturned, where we there was a fold closure, or they previously thought was a fold closure, it's actually going the other way. So where it was thought was closed is open. And, and conversely, where I thought it was open was closed. And so this has been such a big, you know, kind of, uh, uh, a new paradigm shift in the in the whole uh, approach to exploration at the project is that we want to make sure that we we have it right, and so um, you know, putting out a press release where we've got a really great IP geophysical anomaly is that going to move the stock? Might anomalies targets? No, people want discoveries. That's what they exactly. want. Exactly. So, so that was actually one of the impetus as well, too, for the new claims that we state. Well, that's what okay. I, that that's leads on nicely, okay? Because there's a couple of questions here, which is um, you, you yeah. talked, you referenced them earlier about some new claims that you've staked. And I'd love to understand why you've done that. I've got some questions sent in with regards to potential acquisitions. Uh, you know, is M and A part of the strategy? So, why don't you talk around how you build potential scale? So uh, M&A is part of our, our strategy. We've been upfront that, uh, about that since day one. You know, uh, Niblack's a great deposit, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it. It's on the smaller side. There's 5.6 million tons of indicated. There's 2.4 million tons of inferred. You can add them up. This And there's subsequent drilling since, so it's a bit bigger than that. But it's still, you know, it's not a 100 million ton ore body. And so are the economics good? Yeah, they're quite good. You know, it makes it even better combining it with something else. And so that's part of the, you know, this whole vision where we have to barge the ore somewhere. There are stranded deposits in Southeast Alaska and in Northwest British Columbia that would work well with Niblack. But we've been working on, you know, some corporate development, some M&A type work. But for and ages though, for ages. For so how, how do you, how do you, find stuff that's going to work. Are you going to be able to find stuff that works? Because you've been talking about that for a yeah. long time, right? Yeah, yeah, we have. And and we've, we've um, you know, we've put out in, in some cases, there's deals that would not be accretive and there's other cases that are. And so it's where like these other companies are, or projects, they're in the same boat. You know, you get mat economics. But if you're building one mill and one tailings facility, then suddenly the economics of combining the two really work. Then you have two projects to fund. So that's can be, you gotta be careful about that. So if we did do some corporate development work like that, it would have to come with some capital. And so, you know, that's all part of the thing. And this is the job of the CEO when you have advanced projects is how can you add value? How can you find that exit um, by 
being creative and seeing something that nobody else has seen before. Have you got and the so, capability to do that? Because I think we see lots of small junior companies, sub, say sub, sub 30 million, right? And it's really difficult because what they say they've got, they don't usually have. And once you and I, you know, I've been into data rooms, right? We, we know what you see when you get in there. You sometimes, what the public sees and what you see in data rooms, usually very poorly aligned and you walk away nine times out of 10, okay? Finding projects which have the, this spoken hub type facility or a roll up, however you want to position it, it sounds exciting. The doing of it is difficult because you've got two sets of management who have to agree to come together because both are running on vapor, usually, and the sum of the parts sounds good on paper, but the reality is the asset isn't quite what you thought. The management team don't want to do the deal because they're going to lose their job and they can't agree on a price. And putting that, those sorts of deals together is really, really hard. It seems like the smart thing to do. So are you actually going to be able to deliver it? So there you're absolutely bang on for other public companies. And it's where often those conversations, you know where this is going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, or there's like, oh, we got this one shareholder and, you know, they, they're big believers and they wouldn't want to do it. So the conversation ends. Um, looking at privately held assets is a different matter. And so that, those are, those are the, the, the type of projects that we have been, we have been, been targeting. And there's, there are, and then the other companies that are out there that are like, yeah, we would love to have a mill where we can take our ore. It's a big thing. It'll take, you know, if it's in Alaska, it, it, there's some permitting risk. In BC, there can be some permitting. And so th this is, again, part of the, the, the whole overall vision is, you know, is in, in venture capital, you, you, you should dream big. And, uh, you know, and going through the steps to get there, you're not going to flip a switch and suddenly you're a billion dollar market cap. But what are the stepping stones to get there? You know, and this, we're still at early stage. It's retail and drilling and exploration success and growing can help. But then you can really change if you're adding some, if you're de-risking Niblack, if you're de-risking the development of the project, but you're accretively adding some other asset. And I don't say accretive flippingly, flippantly, that, Here's something that's standalone negative IRR by itself, but you combine it with Niblack and it becomes positive. So, so that's where there's not enough of this stuff that gets done in mining at all. You hear it, you've, I've heard it for two decades. And it's, again, it's typical because most of these companies are, are public, even the majors. You know, how long did it take uh, Barrick and Newmont to, to work together? You know, you, you see it more like Kirkland Lake consolidating the Kirkland Lake camp, which was usually four mines. So, you know, and it's part of the, the, the experience. And, it, hey, can we do it? Well, you know, our, our management team, um, this is the part of the world that we work in. This is what, you know, we, we feel that we are good at on the permitting, the engineering and the exploration side and, you know, and the leadership. And certainly in, in what is a founding pillar for this company, the um, community and indigenous engagement and inclusion. And so, you know, put, putting all those together, that's the foundations for, for real success, doing it right in, in, uh, in my books. Right. And, you know, so, so, yeah. like, so, so I'm, I'm, from what I'm hearing here is Black Wolf Copper and Gold is a nice cornerstone project. It's a okay size. Like you said yourself, it's an okay size, it's okay economics, it's not earth shattering. But if you can 
do some of this biz dev. You can get some of this M and A. Private sounds the route, like the route you want to go down. That's understandable. Um, you, but you've you've got to stick to your knitting and also get you know get niblack sorted first of all as well because people are not going to walk into a deal with you until you've nailed that. Some breach. Like, does that give us a sense of timing for all of this? Big you know big wishes, big aspirations oh, sure. and, are great. And, and so and so this is uh, and you know we're we're uh, you're. And it's kind of a you know insight into how Street Vancouver, where you know probably the majority of CEOs are having today M and A discussions. Ninety nine percent of them never work out, but they today are having. It. You know, we're certainly no exception, but we are a lot more. Well, here's more my problem. Here's my problem. I think ninety nine percent of CEOs say they're open to M&A discussions. However, I don't know how many actually are, and I, but, but you're right. I think the net result is maybe 1% one, 1 of, of um, all possible deals do get done. Oh, oh yeah. And it's, again, you know, it comes back to one of your first, first comments about getting into data rooms and, you know, all of junior minor, we're part of it. We, like, we, we do a press release today. We put our best hole in the headline. You know, it's all the best things about, about about your company. You get into data rooms, and you're like, "Oh my God, this project sucks!" Right? And uh, uh, and you know, and that's where things sort of fall apart. Oh, it makes sense putting you two together. You're like, "Oh, not really for us." And it's a glass houses business, so you you typically have to keep your mouth shut afterward. Well, of course, you do under confidentiality. But it's where, yeah, evaluate particularly for smaller juniors. Because valuations also fluctuate so much. You might have a good ratio, and then you know the, the 20 cent stock that was trading at 20 cents goes to 25. And suddenly the ratios are all screwed up again. So, you know, there should be some more MA. And I think all these CEOs and companies are all really well meaning, and I hope to see more. But there's a whole, there's usually way more reasons not to do the deal than 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 to do the deal that that ends up getting focused on often that's usually to the detriment of the combined shareholder. Designed by committee, always a winner. Yep. Okay, um, you've been doing a bit of staking, so you've got some, there's some new claims perhaps we should be talking about. What are you doing there? Yeah, and it, it, it's, uh, uh, there's a real interesting backstory to the these new claims that uh, we picked up, Matt. So, you know, I, I grew up in in, uh, in the Golden Triangle in the mining town of Stewart, right next to Hydra, Alaska, and have obviously followed pretty closely over the decades, how, you know, new mines have come and gone and discoveries and geology and stuff. And um, uh, just a little bit of family history, the Bruce Jack mine, which is operated by uh, Predium, uh, that's actually named after my family, my cousin and, and my grandfather. And uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Valley of the Kings, and just recently there's some really good drill results about these super high grade electrum veinlets that carry that deposit. Uh, were just recently drilled, and that's the basis for that mine. Um, uh, my dad passed away about a decade ago, and I, just back at, during the winter, I was reading uh, a bunch of his old files and a whole bunch of old photos, historical stuff, and it talked about there's this area in Alaska where there's these same style of electrum veins that they found on the margin of a glacier. And back in the 20s and 30s, they tunneled thousands of feet through the ice to try and find the source of it. And they actually found some of these veins and they, they, they mined them. And, you know, the amount of, you know, like, I cannot understate how much the glaciers have shrunk, shrunk in this part of the world. There has been no 
modern exploration in the Golden Triangle on the Alaska side of the border. It's remarkable. So after seeing this, I was like, maybe this should be something that we should do. I have this right in front of me. This could be really good accretive uh, properties for, for, for Black Wolf. And we did some more research. We found that actually the most recent work was in the 1990s by the uh, U.S. government, federal geologists. It used to be, there used to be a Department of Mines. And they went out and sampled all these, you know, really high grade gold and silver numbers from a whole variety of either these old mines or prospects. So we're like, this is wide open. Let's go out and, uh, um, and, and stake it and go out and walk where no other geologist or prospector has uh, has gone before so it's really exciting you look just across the border at other juniors that have you know 20 to 50 million dollar market caps on basically the same sort of speculative expiration ground but uh but but this is people have a tough time knowing how to stake federal claims in uh in alaska so probably one of the reasons why this ground was open and that we uh we we pegged it so really excited about that these projects um, I'm going to be going up to take a look at it because our technical team is one of the best in the Golden Triangle and, and, uh, and heading out with my, my geos just to have a, oh, it's just going to be a small reconnaissance survey type of uh, exploration program, but that's how these big things are found, you know. So what scale are we talking about, Rob? Uh, with the scale. So these are, uh, they're, uh, the total uh, area is 3,600 hectares. Um, the main claim block is is almost 10 kilometers uh, long by oh, three and a half kilometers wide. And there's a second block that is right next to um, uh, Ascot Resources um, uh, premier project. So you cross the border and then there's this area where they used to, and this sounds crazy, you know, they used to actually just pick boulders, the mineralization off, off the ground, put them on pack horses, and, and, and ship them off. So, and it's in uh, this intrusive rock that we really like. So that's about a uh, oh, one and a half by two kilometer claim block. But this is, again, this is completely virgin discovery ground. So again, it's also, you know, one, one of, one, and this comes from experience, it's always good to have a, a pipeline of these projects. If something happened, Niblack didn't work out, what's next, right? So, so it's always good to be trying to, you know, it is like, you know, not not to make it sound too grandiose, but it is like chess. You do have to think about, think a few moves down the road, right? Right. Um, I, I, I've got a lot out of today. Things are moving afoot. The drill results are fantastic. We just want to see more of it, more assay results, more drilling. Show us what the potential of Niblack could be. I buy that you're, you are cognizant of the fact that you need to scale this by through acquisition and then with regards to the, the mill if you are going to have to barge that's there's, there's a cost implication there but if you can get synergies through through like roll-ups or spoken wheel or however you want to do it or partnerships jvs etc that's all that's all kind of fine in the future so if you're going to take the you're saying i'm you rob are going to take the lead on this and kind of put this together with some with some of these other opportunities out there have you have you gone as far as looking where do you locate a mill? where's the potential location for a mill where are you barging this to are you looking that far forward yes okay oh, yeah that and, and in fact it's like you, you have to do it right from the start 
you know, what, what the, like, there are sensitivities. There are some places that shouldn't be developed. There are places that shouldn't have mills and tailings facilities that maybe there is too much environmental risk. So that's always a cognizant if you really do care that you, you uh, that, that social side, or maybe there's communities that don't want it, but then there's other ones that do. And then what if there's a site already that exists out there, maybe that's brownfield, you know, that already has had an existing site. That's something that you're gonna go and look at. So. You know, that's, um, um, hey, I'm won't sugarcoat, Alaska has a, a you know, a, a permitting reputation. Maybe a lot of it has to do with pebble that's been so controversial for two decades. You know, mines, we we love it. Mines do get permitted there for, for sure. There's some new ones that are being built up there and permitted right now. But it's something you have to do if you have an advanced project that you have to be thinking about and talking and working on all the time. Rob, thanks for your time today. That was brilliant. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.